0: This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. Continue to like, rate, and subscribe. Make sure to share. Now streaming on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. This is an Average Fan Podcast hosted by Benny Hanna. Welcome back to the show everybody. Welcome back. How we doing? It is an Average Fan Podcast. Your host Benny Hanna. Surprise Saturday. Man, this possibly, y'all, this possibly could probably be one of the most crazy sports Saturdays we've had in a minute. Shall we, shall we dare say it history? Nah, we'll unpack it, but how y'all doing? Welcome back to an Average Fan Podcast. Your host, Benny Hanna. Boy, did we have a treat on Saturday. Did we have a treat? We were treated to some good sports. So, if you're in the MLB, if you're in the baseball, right? Braves, Dodgers, out. Top teams, MLB, out. Braves bounced yesterday. Uh, Phillies took advantage of that Atlanta bullpen, winning that game 8-3. to Uh, Braves looked like they didn't have the energy or the mojo going in this series. Really looked bad. Phillies came in hot. Dodgers suffered the same fate as they went down yesterday 5-3. Padres winning that series. Dodgers were the best team in baseball, y'all. So that's Mets, Braves, and Dodgers all out of the postseason. Astros keep it strong, keep it moving. They complete the sweep of the Mariners in a six-plus-hour marathon. 18 innings and 42 total strikeouts. I told y'all we got treated to some gems, And then the Yankees, the Yankees. Could they be the next power MLB team to lose as they're down to the one to the guardians, guardians coming back in thrilling fashion. So we know what this will mean for the city of uh, Cleveland. If they're able to go ahead and knock out the Yankees boxing, Yo, Wilder was back in the ring last night. First round TKO. It probably could be a step in the right direction for him as we've known he's kind of dealt with some some issues, mainly some Tyson Fury issues. Right. So we know what he is. If my opinion, right, if Wilder can develop into an overall boxer to go along with that power, he will dominate. Like we have not seen before. Moving on. Because the real subject matter at hand, y'all heard it at the beginning. That college football, man. That football. Week seven was a doozy. Okay. Man, y'all found out. Boy, we found out. We can find out Saturday. Boy, did we learn some things on Saturday? Okay, so if you were a team in the top 10, it was not a good Saturday for you, right? Number three, number seven, number eight, and number 10, all lose, all lose on the road. Number 10, Penn State was at Michigan. Number eight, OK State at TCU. Number seven, USC was at um, Utah. Number three, Alabama was in Neyland. she Did y'all check these games out? Did y'all get a chance to just sit down and see some, even if you didn't watch the games, did you see the highlights? I'm pretty sure y'all saw highlights. But if y'all were able to watch these games, flip back and forth between in this game and that game, man, were we treated to a doozy. So let's get in straight into it. Number 10, Penn State. Dominated in the second half, man. They lose 41-17 to number five ranked then Michigan. The Wolverines seem like they have an MO, right? They have an identity. And you can beat teams that have talent, but it's hard to beat teams that have an identity. Teams that really know what they are and they're they're firm. They're 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 strong in their roles, let's say, right? Um, Michigan has this M.O., right? They use the run game and really wear you down and just they just abuse you, especially in the second half. Like most of these first half games have been close for them, but then they're able to just wear you out with that two-headed monster that they got, Uh, Blake Corn and Donovan Jackson. Boy, they they do look scary. Let's just be honest. Uh, They look good hard to tackle. They got the accelerating speed. So, and then I think what's great about those two backs is the fact that they know when they know how to hit the hole, but they know they see the hole. So they see the whole form. You got the, you got good old line blocking for you. Once they find the crease, no one is getting them. And that's just the thing They're They're breaking a lot of runs and they're just getting out there and just dominating. So, that run game is really wearing down teams. And you say, okay, well, what do you mean? Against Penn State, they ran for over 400 yards. So some of my game takeaways, right? Sean Clifford struggles in another big game. Granted, he came into this one 2-1 and one versus Michigan. But overall, James Franklin and the boys don't do well in top 10 matchups. 0 and 10 since 2016. So it leads you to some questions, right? Can, can the Penn State dynamic with Clifford at quarterback? Can it, can it be dynamic with Clifford at quarterback or really? Is it just a James Franklin issue? Is it what James Franklin does not do as a coach for a team? Cause it happens, right? So Penn State only had 111 rush yards with Clifford being the leading rusher with 74 on the ground. Their five-star, their five-star freshman Nick Singleton only had 19 yards on the ground. So we're seeing some of the same issues that they had last year coming up again. Um, So that played right into the hands of Michigan, right? Michigan was dynamic on defense. Their ability to get pressure. But there again, takeaways. My question for Michigan will be if they're not able to successfully run the ball, right, can JJ put the team on his back? He has the talent, but can he really put them on his back? He's dynamic rolling out the pocket. He's threat. He, he's a threat to run. He's quick. So what does that look like if you make if you meet a team who's able to kind of stymie your run for a little longer than what you're used to? Maybe you don't pop big runs. Maybe all you get are three and four yard runs, you know, instead of like a five here, eight here, a fifty-yarder here. So with that being said will Jim Harbaugh ever open up this passing game for the Wolverines if the run game fails or will he just keep running it and have them to run out of it? Don't know. But at this point, the run game looks good. It looks like you're going to have to be way more physical than Michigan. If you're going to get them off of what they like to do. They have a couple tests coming up. This Illinois game is very interesting, only because no one's really expected them to do much, but they're going out here and they're putting they're putting teams on notice, man. So Illinois is kind of <laughs> Illinois is kind of that team you might want to keep your eye on. They're, they're, ranked, <laughs> they're ranked number uh, number 18 at six and one. So and then the week after that you have Ohio State so we know what that game means um i think they're going to come into columbus ready to beat them again so ohio state you better come prepared cuz this one ain't going to be like years past we're really going to find out what all the summer bonding and spring bonding did for those for those buckeyes when they go up against michigan um Next up on the docket, number eight, OK State. Yee-yee, they go out there. They lose against TCU. OK State Cowboys were leading this game, 30-16 to going into the fourth. But somehow, Max Duggan, he, he said no. Outduels Spencer Sanders. TCU right now looks like the clear-cut favorite to win the Big 12. But next week, they got K-State. And then they got a huge matchup November 12th against Texas. So we'll really find out everything we need to know about TCU going forward. Um, as we know, week by week, things get revealed about teams. Um, teams kind of get put on notice. They get put on blast. You really find out who is who. And as the schedule for most teams get a little tougher, we're, we're starting to find out, you know, adversity hits we're starting to find out what happens to these teams so tcu looks good right now but they have to keep their eyes on the prize because they got a couple tests coming up so if they're able to run the table obviously this is the team that's kind of kind of interesting sitting up here at number eight so shout out to tcu and everything they're doing number seven usc Oh boy. They go out here to Utah and they lose a very competitive and close Pac-12 matchup versus the Utes 43 to 42. After USC they jumped out to a 14-0 lead and then after that point the game kind of started going back and forth with this Utah team. Cam Rising he was able to make up for that that week one interception that he threw against Florida. Y'all remember that, right? Led the team down the field, kind of the same type scenario. Missed. He was late on throwing the ball in the double coverage, got picked off. So, um, when you are looking at this now, he was able to make up for that. If he doesn't throw that pick in the end zone, are we possibly looking at a top 10 Utah team, even with that loss that they have maybe a top 10 Utah team that would probably would have been coming into this game. So he was not only to able to get the scoring scoring drive, but he was also able to get the two point conversion that really put him ahead in this one. So can't wait. Can't wait to see what Utah is able to do going forward. Um, So you kind of wonder, if you're Lincoln Riley, right, what really happened in this game? And probably from the simplest, just, just looking at it simplistically, right? Kincaid, Dalton Kincaid happened. 16 catches, 243 yards, and a touchdown. We've been hearing all week, pretty much anybody who follows anything Pac-12 or kind of is into that, you kind of hear how it's hard to play in Utah. You UC, found UC, USC, they found out how tough it was to kind of play out here in Utah. The offense is always there for Lincoln Riley but it's always been something about his defense that even when he was at Oklahoma and he had all that powerful offenses, it's Just the defense was not complimentary to the offense so if he if he can ever find that balance man he will be dangerous cuz he knows how to develop and cultivate that quarterback talent that offensive talent so If this team has any national championship aspirations, right, they'll have to improve on the defensive side of the ball. Now, this Jordan Addison injury is kind of something to keep an eye on. He gets hurt late in the second half. They lose him for this game, obviously, and then we don't know how long he'll be out going forward. So, but speaking of going forward, Josh Heupel in Tennessee. How big are the steps? How big were the steps that they took yesterday in taking down mighty Bama? <laughs> um, it's weird to. So many people kind of predicted this and they saw this coming. They were like, Tennessee is going to be the team to really beat Alabama. They match up well. So this was kind of in the cards. It was kind of out there. It was kind of the known unknown. Things align in the universe, right, as they say. And when they align to us, weird things happen, right? So what had to align for Tennessee to be able to win this game? As we talked about it, they had to have their dual-threat quarterback, right? They had that check. Bama's weak, their Achilles heel of their defense, right, had been their secondary check. Why is that a check? Because Hendon Hooker's able to throw the rock. We already know he had Bruce McCoy and, and, and some receivers, but then they had this Hyatt this kid just – Just show up out of nowhere, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But it was a lot of things that had to go right for Tennessee, as do any team to win games, to win championships, to overcome certain adversities. Things have to go your way. So with that being said, Bama had a lot of penalties a lot of penalties and they hurt. They were at some crucial times. They had an interception that was a ball that was intercepted by Kool-Aid McKinstry ran it back pretty much all the way, uh, in the Tennessee territory, Called back interception, uh, interference, pass interference in the end zone. You negate that, you wipe that out. Belmont was down 28 to 10 but you kind of felt like they were always going to make a run to get back in the game. And that's exactly what Alabama did. Tennessee was still playing good enough, but Bama, they started to mount a comeback, tied the game at twenty eight all. Then they took a 35 to 34 lead after a missed extra point from Tennessee happened. Y'all know what's coming next, right? The hooker for Heisman campaign. It's going to start and rightfully so. I mean, He got the win in this environment against those guys, right? Anytime you're able to take down a Nick Saban team that is Alabama, everything they represent, they stand for, they're pretty much the standard in college football. You're able to take down that team. People start looking at you differently. It's all about how you move forward now, as we were talking about moving forward. How does Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, how do they move forward? Because now the hype is there. But he was on point, y'all. He was on point. Okay. Not only after Alabama missed that field goal, he was able in two plays to take them down and get in the field goal range to win this game. His wild-out Jalen Hyatt, as I talked about earlier, six huge catches, right? 207 yards and five touchdowns, highlighting that bad secondary play for Nick Saban. Jalen Hyatt looked like he was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs out there, y'all. But how can we not forget Bryce Young coming back from his shoulder setback, went 35-52, 455 through the air and two touchdowns he kind of looked normal he really looked like himself but what does this game look like if he's not able to be houdini and escape their tennessee pressure because let's be honest they probably would have lost by a dub if he's not able to pull out of some of that pressure because they were after him all night so many times that uh, Tennessee defense had him wrapped up and he would just slip out of the tackles, make moves, a little hesitation play just to allow his receiver to get to the spot where he needs him to and basically get the ball there. So he was, he was doing everything to keep this team in the game. His playmaking was big even in his loss. So one of my takeaways from this game is should Nick Saban had relied more on the run game, to keep, that, to keep Hooker and that ball's offense on the sideline. Because let's be honest, Tennessee get five, six yards on first down. They're running no huddle. They're running tempo. That tempo was bothering Alabama, and it makes you tired because even though they're having drives in one minute, three minutes, you know, drives, the way they run those offense it's like high intense training. Like they go out there, they run these plays, boom, 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 boom. They're huffing and puffing. They can't get to the sideline. They can't substitute. Just so it just brings a different challenge. So you got Jameer Gibbs in the backfield. Come on, man! Like they could have, they could have relied more on Jameer Gibbs, and kind of, especially with Bryce Young and that injury, and kind of just spared it some, but nevertheless it was a great game i mean kudos to both sides. um that younger secondary was a question mark coming into this one but as we talk about how things align was this just was this just a game no matter what could have possibly went different it just would have came out of tennessee victory and i think it was just time it was just tennessee's time so Moving forward, I'm AI. Just want to see what it's gonna look like for both teams. Bama will look to probably just destroy Mississippi State. Bama will probably have one of their most intense practices this week to date, and Tennessee will play UT Martin. So that's that's a perfect game for Tennessee to play <laughs> after beating number one, because it'll be different. You got to go up against a Kentucky or, you know, go up against a Georgia the next week after that one. So good to kind of have a UT Martin scheduled in after Alabama. But Bama is still a lot for the SEC West. Their toughest test this year will probably be Lane Kiffin and Old Miss. In a game which I think it could probably look similar to the one we just saw versus Tennessee. The offense that Kiffin has he'll just have to make sure that that defense comes ready to play because it will be a track meet for sure. So that'll be an interesting game to keep your eye out on. Cause Alabama could possibly take another L in that one. Um, Georgia kind of just been put on notice because their biggest challenger is going to be Tennessee this year. It's clear and they're coming to play. So time will only tell the way the ball, the way the balls push the, ball down the field, this matchup against these corners from UGA, I can't wait for that game, we got three weeks till it happens, but hopefully both teams come into this game undefeated, and we just get a good old-fashioned SEC game, right, man, you gotta love college football, as we get ready to, you know, head on out, we just want to leave you with this top 25. Georgia at one, Ohio State three, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, Ole Miss, TCU, UCLA, and Oregon making the top 10. Uh, 11 through 15 goes OK State, USC, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Utah. Uh, Rounding out 16 through 25, we got Penn State checking in, K State, Illinois, Kentucky, Texas, Cincinnati, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Mississippi State, and Tulane. Man, it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Thank y'all for listening to an average fan podcast. Your host, Benny Hanna. Enjoy y'all weekend. We out.